0: The Rich Eisen Show. You don't have that like bookmarked at the oh, top of your uh, of you, mean, the <laughs> top of your Chrome.
1: Live, Li- live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles.
0: Man of his word. I will take less. I will help the team. I want to keep playing.
1: Voila. The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Ryan Leaf. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Ryan Leaf.
2: It's Ryan Leaf. Oh my God! Filling in for the big fella once again, Rich Eisen here on the Rich Eisen Show. He's going to take a little well-deserved vacay along with uh, Mike Del Tufo uh, and Chris Brockman. They're going to um, take a little time off and uh, uh, let the let the big fella here take over business for a little bit. We got a heck of a show for you today. A lot of news to cover. Uh, really some stuff outside of the sports realm, but we got a great list of guests. We have ESPN DC reporter, uh, John Kime, the host of the John Kime podcast. He'll be on at, 9:20 uh, nine 20 to talk, um, all things, uh, all things NFL. Um, we got Michael McCann, uh, who's a sports illustrated legal expert. He's going to talk NIL with me. I think this is an extremely interesting topic simply because, you know, I played 22, 23 years ago uh, in college, and college football, NCAA college football video game was very prevalent. We loved the fact that we were on it. I never once thought that I deserved any um, compensation for it. So this is is like anything. Things evolve. People just – discern between when one's being used and when one's not, or when one's being taken advantage or, or when one's not. And so this is an interesting conversation. We'll talk to him about that. Then our, then our friend Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network, All Things Analytics, she's done some really neat data analysis this offseason about whether or not these teams are going to be successful in the fall, what it's going to take for them to get to that place, what that looks like. She's going to join us at 1020. And then uh, Kevin Arnowitz, uh, ESPN NBA writer, is going to join us at 11 Pacific to talk about the NBA. And one of the series, the Phoenix Suns have closed that one out. And surprisingly enough, last night the Milwaukee Bucks show up and without Giannis, get it done. They did exactly what Atlanta did without Trey Young the game before and this game, uh, this series is once again uh, all knotted up. Um, I, I, I feel like when coaches that are really good and you lose your best player and you find ways to win games, that shows your coaching ability. Um, you know, Nate McMillan down in Atlanta when Trey Young was out last night uh, in, in Milwaukee, Extremely good. Um, these NBA series, is, and I, I'd like to um, I'd like to uh, get what our listeners' thought process is and about the NBA, because I kind of had this question around whether or not this is incredibly um, captivating, uh, the Phoenix Suns versus the LA Clippers, the Milwaukee Bucks versus the Atlanta Hawks. There's always going to be a time where the NBA has to evolve and new players have to come to the forefront. I thought we found that with Devin Booker, uh, DeAndre Ayton in Phoenix. Um, you know, I, I look at Atlanta and Trey Young. Is it Giannis' time to, after being an MVP and falling short a few years before in the East? Is it his time to finally step to the forefront? Because at some point it happens, right? From Michael Jordan went to Kobe Bryant. The the baton was passed. It's going to happen again. LeBron is not going to be able to play forever. So who are the next superstars? And I think we've seen that. So are you not captivated because it's not the Los Angeles Lakers and it's not Kevin Durant and the New Jersey Net, or the uh, Brooklyn Nets in the finals? Is, are people going to tune in and watch the Phoenix Suns versus either Milwaukee or Atlanta? That's a real question. I want I want answered. Art Martinez, our producer, uh, is going to be helping me all day. He's going to help facilitate everything through uh, the switchboard. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we're just on the radio today. No, no Peacock TV, which is u- usually what goes hand in hand with um, with the Rich Eisen Show. But the whole, the whole, the whole cast and crew is, is taking a, is taking a break, a well deserved break. They've been going at it ever since. They got back into that studio. I think Rich had a in studio guest for the first time um, just a few just a month ago, and uh, Jay Billis stopped by the other day to give him his I think third in studio guest. Um, that's that's we're moving gently in the right direction, uh, continuously. Um, here in Los Angeles, uh, we opened up again really June fifteenth, and uh, what the pandemic had uh, put us in. Now, California's been really good about the percentages of its population getting vaccinated. Other places around the country, uh, not so much. Mookie Betts, L.A. Dodger, um, former MVP, World Series champion, he stepped up this past week and went to uh, local communities and local drugstores and uh, talked about advocating for, for getting the vaccine and getting everybody out there. I went to uh, Dodgers-Cubs games last week. And uh, at those games, for the first time, they were completely full. Now, it was, it was overwhelming at first when I walked up there because you just you don't realize when you haven't been around people, uh, a large number of people for over a year, because me and my family did a, a like a real serious job about quarantining and making it about uh, us three during that time. That it was, uh, it was strange. The first time I ever got really, um, shown that I took my son to Disneyland back on May 13th, and it was only allowed to be 25% full. Only 25% full, that's it. But it seemed like it was overflowing and it was overwhelming, exactly the reason why, um, why I just talked about it, right? You just you're not used to it. So when I was at the Dodgers game, and I walked in, you know, it's like years passed. I'm I'm a diehard Cubs fan, so I would see other Cubs fans walking among the 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 floor or or uh, the mezzanine and walking to our seats, and I'd always reach up and offer a high five or a or or anything to these Cubs fans. And it's just it, it's just second nature. You just do it. <laughs> you just put your hand out there and you, you hope it's reciprocated, but you don't know how it's going to be in in this day and age. And then it turns into a fist bump and then you, you, you stop doing it. Uh, I've been to a few uh, charity events, um, some speaking engagements that I've done. And I told myself that you're in a venue with, you know, hundreds of people and normally during that uh, time in the past before COVID, you would, you would, when introduced to other people, you would shake hands immediately. It's just, it's about that. Um, And you find yourself just muscle memory in it, going back to shaking hands. And I promised myself, like, I wasn't going to do it, right? Because even if it's not a COVID time, if you shake 100 hands in the evening and don't, you know, don't uh, antibacteria up afterwards or wash your hands immediately, you're just going to get sick anyway, just from touching 100 people. That's, that's... (laughs) That's just science. So, but I mean, it was just it was muscle memory. First, first person stuck his hand out to shake. There I was. You know, like I I thought about it, and then right in there to shake hands. So, it's an interesting time. Um, Storylines today that we'll be talking about. Right. Um, I really want to get into the Richardson story. Uh, The young sprinter from America, of course, was banned from the Tokyo 100 meter race because she tested positive for THC, which is the active ingredient, of course, in marijuana. Uh, She has since apologized, which I thought was very big of her. I don't necessarily understand why she felt it necessary to do that. I know she's felt she's let a lot of people down. Um, She lives, uh, I think, was in Oregon at the time. Her mother had passed. This is the form of coping mechanism she chose you know about a week before the the trials and then she ran her face off uh, with the time of 10.72 and has now been banned and ruled out now we're going to talk about this Um, we're going to talk about the the dracanian like dictatorship of the olympic training committee or whatever it is that's going to limit our best sprinter and our best chance at a gold medal since gail Devers. Um, because, uh, she smoked a little marijuana. That's, that's the, that's the question uh, we're dealing with right now. And it's uh, absolutely absurd. So we're going to get into that a little bit. Um, uh, we'll, we'll talk again around uh, the Atlanta Hawks, how they got mauled inside by Brooks Lopez and that crew. I mean, that's what you need from the bigs in Milwaukee and, buttholes are if he can get those guys to play like that when Giannis is healthy, because you could be without him uh, for the rest of the series. Uh, the hyperextended knee is very similar to an ACL, right? That's how I actually tore. My ACL was hyperextending it and it, uh, and it tore on my right knee. So there's a very good chance that could be the case there too. Uh, I'm going to talk about, uh, Phil Mickelson and, uh, he came out and talked about how he's not going to play in Detroit anymore. They are at the rocket mortgage PGA tour stop. There was a story that came out from 2007. uh, Just all it was, was really a hit piece for, for Phil Mickelson. It didn't have any bearing on anything or anybody. Uh, The other person involved is, is deceased. Um, He got taken on a bet. Uh, That was the sizable one. It was just, and Phil comes out and says, he's probably not going to play in the Detroit event again, simply because of uh, what happened with that deal. Um, friend of mine, a friend of college football, um, ex-Georgia and Miami coach Mark Richt, uh, announces to everybody that he has Parkinson's disease and uh, uh, came out with a very faith-based statement that told everybody about it, what was going on, that he was going to continue with his life uh, unimpeded uh, with the ACC Network next year and and around college football that gave him so much. It was... um, really great to see that. Um, and, uh, we hope for the best for him. He's a, a former colleague of mine at ESPN and, uh, um, and we wish him the best. Interesting how, you know, you know, we live in such a public venue of a place now that we have to, if people start to notice something or we feel like we need to tell somebody disclosing medical information is, is an incredibly interesting way to, to live, a, you know, live your life. But we all wish him the best again and and hope for a a, a, uh, healthy recovery. Though, you know, this is going to be a lifelong disease for him and a lifelong fight. He can do it. He's as good as it. Um, All right. We talked about uh, today at 920 here in about, oh, eight minutes or so. John Kime, ESPN DC reporter, is going to join us about the biggest story. You know, buried the lead here a little bit, I thought. Daniel Snyder and the Washington football team were fined $10 million. And he was stripped of his day-to-day, not in writing, but it was made clear that he will be stepping down from more of the day-to-day details with the Washington football team. And um, his wife, who was um, placed as the new CEO and um, pretty much president, about a week ago, is going to kind of be taking over that and more of the face of the company. Now, we'll talk to John about this. I had this when it kind of broke yesterday on NFL radio on Sirius XM. And I, you know, it's NFL radio. You really can't dive as deep into it as you probably want to there. This is going to be more of an opportunity to really talk about the things and... and how this ultimately is a slap on the wrist for a multi-billionaire who owns the Washington football team for 10 years, supposedly of, you know, egregious sexual harassment charges levied by people in that organization. Um, I will say this. It's going to be Daniel Snyder's team, but it really looks like moving forward in name only. And I think that is the best move possible. We'll talk about that more with John Kime in about, oh, seven minutes or so. Then at 10 o'clock, Michael McCann, Sports Illustrated legal expert, is going to join us, and we're going to dive deep into the uh, NIL conversation, uh, what that would have looked like for me 22 years ago, what it's going to look like now for the current student-athlete, and is this going to be the end of all things, end of days, like so many people are predicting. I, I, I've said no for so long. I say the impact's going to be minimal. Uh, this is going to be a situation where those who have social media platforms and who have large followings uh, can, can profit off of that, which is like any other student on campus. Just because you have a scholarship and you play a sport at said school doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to profit off your name, image, and likeness outside of that it simply is not the scholarship is for playing football everything outside of that is free game and that is now what it looks like then at ten twenty, Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network she is the data analytics expert there she's going to join us talk to talk to us all about the offseason how she's prepped and put together her model on who's going to be the most successful the last variable that continues to float out there the Aaron Rodgers situation right uh, what's that going to look like? Where we, we can talk to John Kime about that as well. Where we're sitting right now uh, you know, leading up to training camp. We are in the month of training camp starting, right? I'm headed to Canton at the end of July for the Hall of Fame game and the Hall of Fame inductions. Uh, we are here, everybody. We are on the countdown, and Cynthia is going to fill us in with all her previews. Uh, 11 o'clock, Kevin Arnowitz, a ESPN NBA writer. We gonna get into all things NFL right there. All right? So there's the start. I'm Ryan Leaf, all right, filling in for Rich Eisen. When we come back, John Kime, ESPN DC reporter, going to join us, talk about the situation, the fine levied by the NFL, with the uh, fine by the NFL uh, for the Washington football team and what that looks like. I do think that... Uh, Uh, This will be an interesting conversation, but we have a lot to talk about today. Rich and the fellas are out taking a little well-timed break over the 4th of July weekend. Speaking of which, everybody out there, be safe this weekend, Uh, getting together probably for the really first time, maybe with families and everything like that. Be safe, uh, be with loved ones, be smart, and enjoy the time together. Uh, When we come back, like I said, John Kime, ESPN DC reporter, host of the John Kine Podcast, will join us next. You're listening to The Rich Eisen Show on Westwood One. I'm Ryan Lee.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
3: Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit justcapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business.
1: Furnished by Just Capital. Welcome
2: back, everybody, to The Rich Eisen Show. I am Ryan Leaf. Filling in for Rich Eisen. Big story that came out yesterday revolving around the NFL. The NFL penalizes Washington football team amid harassment allegations. The penalty of a $10 million fine follows an investigation into sexual harassment and abuse in the team's front office. We welcome in now ESPN DC reporter John Kime to the show. John Ryan Leaf here hosting for Rich Eisen. How are you doing today, bud? I'm doing all right, Ryan. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. This, uh, this this seems to come down, and the way it's being portrayed is the penalties are some of the harshest levels against an NFL team and conclude an investigation into allegation of sexual harassment and abuse by men in the team's front office. What are you hearing there? Uh, Daniel Snyder uh, supposedly stepping down from the day-to-day after... Making his wife Tara or Tanya the uh, new co-chief executive, uh, talk to us about what it looked like yesterday, how it rolled out, and how people are interpreting how this is how this has been administered.
4: Yeah, that's that's a complicated one because there's so many sides to this and so many people involved who have strong emotions tied to this. So if right. you're talking to some of the, the people who were involved in, on, the, on the negative side, some of the women. And, and it wasn't just women who were part of that 150 people that Beth Wilkinson talked to, but the women were the ones who had to go through, obviously, the worst, the, the sexual harassment, etc. And I know in talking to some of them that I don't think they're satisfied at all with what happened for a variety of reasons. I, I think some of them, I think nothing short of Daniel Snyder being forced out. Would have satisfied them, and I don't think, based on what I have been t- had been told throughout this process, that that was really going to happen short of another um, bombshell that Beth Wilkinson had unearthed. Um, right. Whether that's fair or not, I think that's just that's what my reporting had had led me to conclude, and I think I'm not I don't think I'm alone in that. And then there's another side um, of of the, of the victims that I spoke to where they felt certainly didn't feel good about all this they did not think that Snyder would have to sell but I think they were hoping for either more a steeper punishment or at least some written report that had been made public I think that's something and then something that the attorneys representing those women felt needed to happen so that's one side I think from Washington's side with Tanya Snyder being a co-CEO and I was talking to somebody this morning She's been involved in things for about the past year. And there was a noticeable change after all these stories started coming out. Her name would be on the statements with that. The team would put out for whatever the news was. It was always Dan and Tanya Snyder. When you would talk to people about new people who were hired, what was your experience like in the interview? Well, I met with Dan and Tanya Snyder that had never happened before. It was always Dan Snyder. So like that has been an ongoing thing. So, how different that will be. I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see what Ron Rivera, his role with Tanya Snyder is going forward or how often do they talk, you know, during the season? What's that like? I don't know yet. Um, I think they're still figuring out all those things themselves. So I think, you know, I think there are so many sides to this, Ryan, that it's just hard to sum it up. And as far as what the, how people feel about, I know like, I know the people here were bracing for this news this week. Once, especially once they came out and named Tanya as the co-CEO, I think that was on Tuesday. You pretty much knew that this is going to come out before the 4th of July. And Mm -hmm. it came out a day earlier than I think most people expected, but they were anticipating this, although they really weren't sure what day, but they were certainly anticipating something happening soon.
2: We're speaking with John Kine, DC, uh, ESPN reporter. Uh, he is the, also the host of the John Keim podcast. The I, I the, I've never been short to be critical of the NFL, in particular Roger Goodell and and how they go about things. I've been very um, vocal about them being a propaganda machine who makes billions of dollars, which I think it is. His statement, right? His statement sounds more compelling. Concluded that for many years, the workplace environment at Washington football team, both generally and particularly for women, was highly unprofessional. Bullying and intimidation frequently took place, and many described the culture as one of fear, and numerous female employees reported having experienced sexual harassment and a general lack of respect in the worst place. Daniel Snyder's name has been brought up in multiple instances during that thing. That seems very, but as always, the NFL is extremely good at at saying what they want to say. The action here doesn't seem to correspond with the tisking of the finger from the commissioner right now.
4: Yeah, and I know the fine was the ten million dollar $10 million fine is more than what they've levied against other teams. So, but I think I think people who are listening to this and a lot of other people and say, well, what's ten million to somebody in those positions? Right. Um, and so I think you know you can look at it like that. You can look at that. Both, I guess you know, and one side is going to look at it. Hey, it's the most ever. The other side's going to say, "Yeah, but." Um, and I think, again, the troubling part for I know for the victim side was there. There was no written report. I think they really wanted some more transparency in this. And for whatever reason, now the NFL says that the reason why they didn't do it because of those 150 people that they spoke to. Not some of them, at least, wanted to remain anonymous, and this was their way to do that. Now. Mm. You can also talk to people who say, well, there's the yeah, but, yeah, but is this really more about um, making sure that this, that there aren't leaks with this? That if we're not, like, if you're not releasing a, re- a written report to the public, does it somehow get leaked out? Does it become known and then it's a longer story? Also, um, is it, are you trying, you know, I know they want to send a message to other teams that this isn't acceptable, um, and so that's why there was a heavier fine, but um, you know, is there, a, are they doing this to maybe somehow, um, protect, I don't know, but protect other teams or, or what, but it just, I, I just, the, the lack of a written report was, again, was I think the troubling part to, to many people.
2: We're speaking with John Keim, ESPN DC reporter now about the Washington football team and the fine levied against Daniel Steiner and this team for their, their charges in, in sexual harassment, uh. Uh, through their company for for many many years i you know when when lisa Freel was brought on years ago to uh it, do these investigations uh um she stated that wilkinson was not asked to verify the accuracy of any allegations right um or produce a written report of her findings preserve the anonymity of the witnesses i get that that's their way out we saw this in portland with the hiring uh, of, of Chauncey Billups in a sexual assault allegation from 1997 and the team doing their own independent study but not making anything public, you'd think, I think people just hold on to uh, the idea of negative, negative press and the lack of transparency as a way to hold on to some kind of control. But what they don't understand, and I, I think people in power certainly don't understand, is because they don't want anybody to have this negative viewpoint of them, that transparency allows other people to heal, allows other things to move forward. And if you're not going to be removed from your spot in this position, the best thing to do is to be transparent, to let people know. It will help the victims heal in this, and it will cost you nothing ultimately that you think. And I think that's the hardest part in all this is that, again, you have a billionaire at the very top who loses $10 million, which is like what gets lost in his, in his seat cushions on his private plane. And they remove his name uh, from from some of the the letterhead and, and everybody moves on. And that's that's probably the most disappointing thing in all this from an outside looking in. But again, the NFL moves on and it churns well, and it churns and it churns.
4: And and Ryan to that point, again, when, when I talk to some of the victims, that what people want in this situation is to feel like their voice was heard. Right. And I know that in some cases they they either felt like, well, they maybe they listened to me, but did they hear me? And but again, I think that goes to what punishment would would then satisfy that, short of him selling the team. So, and, and you're, you're gonna, I think if there's 150 people involved in there, you're going to get a lot of different answers for yep. that. And I think it would always be well something more than just this. Um, and but again, the transparency part is is a something that those attorneys. I'm, I'm, who Lisa Banks and the, you know, her, her group, they represented 40 of the women. They, they stressed the word transparency. They wanted that. Um, and I do, you know, I think ultimately the NFL, is, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, and you're going to protect those assets as best as you can. And I, but, it, John, I, I, think, I, I think
2: that if anything's shown us over the last 20 years with the NFL, it is absolutely as Teflon as you get. But they yeah, still absolutely. they still protect as much as they can. They think that's working for the better good. Because when history looks back on all of this, it's not going to be viewed through a, through a, a, an optimistic lens. It's going to be viewed from a very negative lens. No matter how much money they continue to make for these owners.
4: Yeah, and I I think you know I I think you're probably right, and I think that's why transparency has is good i know even from this franchise jason Wright, the team president has been much more transparent in that role than anybody there has ever been um now you know you're at least being public with everything so in this case obviously this is something that would not have reflected well on the franchise and certainly not on the nfl's product and part of me wonders what you know if you if you if were they afraid of again? Are you trying to protect other owners from, from ha- maybe sending messages them um, to get your house in order because you know whether you can get fined? You know you're going to protect you, but you can get fined, right? right. Um, you know, is it is it just about the anonymity? Is it about maybe you don't want this story to linger? And if there's a written report, that stuff is going to be you're, you're going to be able to read it. You're going to see it for a long time does that keep that story alive and you just want to move past it? I don't, you know, whatever the true motives are, I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, transparency was the big word for, for many on the other
2: side. We're talking with John Kim. I want to move off from this topic and get into a little NFL, especially with this Washington football team. Uh, the idea, and I'll just leave this at, at the end. The idea of doing an, uh, uh, an investigation and not produce a written report. It seems flies in the face of everything investigations have ever been about in the in the in the history of investigations. So <laughs> it's just it's it's uh, ironic. Um, Daniel Snyder steps down from the day to day at least until October. They named Tanya uh, as uh, his wife as the successor or co chief executive. Uh, but Ron Rivera being hired a year ago, uh, taking his team to a uh, conference or a division championship overcoming his battle with with cancer to get into remission you know figuring out a way to sidestep and work with Alex Smith, who was you know such a difficult thing to do with a guy coming back from an injury like that is Daniel Snyder essentially owner in name only right now, and is that the best thing that could happen to this Washington football team on the football field um, yeah
4: because now let's step back over the last year, the things that I or actually, especially over the last eight months or so is what I've heard is that um, it's, it's actually been, I think this whole situation has given like somebody like Ron Rivera more power. Mm-hmm. And because the, you know, Dan Snyder certainly under intense scrutiny and he needs this to work. You know, you can't, you can't go out there and screw this up right now. Just not just from a, Hey, they're going to force me to sell the team things, but you're going to lose another generation of fans. And, and they are, they lost that group. You know, you look a couple years ago, the attendance was not very good before the pandemic. So they need to get these people back and, you know, fans have faith in Rivera, you know, um, certainly most of them that you talk to. So I think this ended up giving him some more power um, I think it, it, it caused when you have all this stuff going on, there's a lot of court filings being made and there's all sorts of things that that is where Dan Snyder's attention was. His attention also is on trying to get a stadium built. Um, so I think there are some things that have taken him away from, from just kind of getting more involved. Now, I think typically over the last few years, I think there's been maybe less involvement, except for when it's a big, big decision like a quarterback. That's when he typically. So I think I don't think Ryan that we're going to really know the level of involvement until they go out and make an aggressive play for a quarterback. Was this something that the coaches and the and the GMs and GM Mark Mayhew, Marty Herney, is that this what they wanted, or was it was it something that was something Dan Snyder said? Hey, I want this guy. Go get him. Because that's right. happened in the past. That's when I think we'll know where is this really at. And I think right now this group is in a good spot to have that level of control. Um, and as long as they can build off that seven and nine year and go out and have a good year and continue to make it look like they are really building something for the for the next several years to be successful, then I think they'll maintain that power. So. Um, I think it's an interesting time here, but I agree. It's I kind of in some ways. I know it's not. It was not called a suspension, but essentially it's a. It's a, certainly a voluntary one. Right. And in some ways, you look back at when the Yankees were successful in the '90s. It was because Steinbrenner was suspended, and they had to grow that team through the farm system, which is something he was never willing to do. So, if they can get to a situation where the coaches and the front office are on that same page, when they're getting position, guys at positions like quarterback they will be better off and that has not always happened um, for a variety of reasons including dan snyder's involvement um and so i think yeah they have a chance to now move forward on the football field in a better way if it continues like this
2: so we'll get you out of here again speaking with john kime espn dc reporter host of the john kime podcast um the nfc east right looked at last year as uh you know the redheaded stepchild uh a, a bit at washington figures out a way and probably played the eventual super bowl champions better than anybody in the wild card round uh they move on they bring in uh fitz magic to see if what he can do uh, in ron rivera's system is this a team um because of what they've done on defense how they've improved on offense some stability and consistency with the head coaching staff and everybody there Uh, Is this a team that could finally repeat in the NFC East, a team uh, which has not happened since the early 2000s in the Philadelphia Eagles?
4: Yeah, it's amazing. And this team hasn't been a repeat playoff performer since the early 90s. Right. So there's a lot of things working against a repeat team. I think what works in their favor, or what works to, if you want to build a strong case for them, and I think you can, is there's a couple things. One, you looked at their quarterback play last year, and it wasn't very good you had Alex Smith only started six games. Um, Dwayne Haskins started six games. He wasn't very good. So if you, you know, you can look at your Dallas lost Dak Prescott and et cetera. Well, these guys didn't have that level of quarterback play ever, right? So mm-hmm. if they had had a guy like Alex Smith for 16 games, they're in a much different, they're in, maybe they win 10 games and we're looking at them a little bit differently, right? So I think that's partly how I look at that because I think they're going to have better quarterback play for the entire season than they had last year. Um that's one. And then you look, you know, the defense, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, a young defensive line with two ends who are only going to get better. That's a that's a plus for them. I think that you know Curtis Samuel coming in as a receiver, that's a plus for them. So I think there's a lot that they can build on that gives them a chance. Now, you're right, the NFC East is very hard to to pre- predict and to repeat. And I think Dallas is going to be really good. And I think the Giants, if Daniel Jones plays well the Giants are going to be really, I think, could be really good, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be difficult um, because I think those teams will be better. And But I do think that you can make a case that this team could be the first repeat winner since then. But like I said, I mean, there's there's history working against them in multiple ways, but they can end some of those streaks too. So um, I think one thing that Ron Rivera told me that he said, the the phrase that he's going to hammer home to the players this summer is, now what? Now you did this, now what? So I think there's in the past this team has never built on success, whether because they didn't have they didn't have the draft picks, they didn't have the cap space, they thought they were closer than they than they really were, and so they didn't make certain moves. Well I don't think this team this team took a different approach this off season. So I think you know, I think there's there's reasons where you can say, Yes, they can go do this, but it's difficult.
2: Yeah. Seventeen games now uh yeah. the nfc east will be one to uh, conversate about for sure we're gonna get into that here uh, in the next segment with the dallas cowboys being named the hard knocks team this year so the nfc East is going to be up there in everybody's eyes john kime espn dc reporter thanks so much for joining us man you are locked in i appreciate it. you educated us all today i appreciate your time man
4: thanks ryan appreciate you having me on
2: you bet have a great day um john kime everybody host of the john kime podcast check him out there ESPN DC reporter. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, and and kind of uh, recap what this uh, story has meant. I have some strong words for Roger Goodell as I guess normally in my case. But this also leads to Lisa Friel too, the NFL's special counsel for investigations that was hired a few years ago. I got a few words for her as well. When we come back, we'll discuss that as well as the Dallas Cowboys being named the Hard Knocks team this fall. When we come back you're listening to The Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Lee filling in for Rich. We'll be right back.
3: What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 SEAL. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business.
1: Furnished by Just Capital.
4: Not called a suspension, but essentially it's a, it's a certainly a voluntary one. Right. And in some ways, you look back at when the Yankees were successful in the 90s, it was because Steinbrenner was suspended and they had to grow that team through the farm system, which is something he was never willing to do. So if they can get to a situation where the coaches and the front office are on that same page, when they're getting position, guys of positions like quarterback, they will be better off. And that has not always happened um, for a variety of reasons, including Dan Snyder's involvement. Um, And so I think, yeah, they have a chance to now move forward on the football field in a better way if it continues like this.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. I am Ryan Lee filling in for Rich, who is taking a well-deserved vacation over this Fourth of July weekend. I'll be again in this seat on Monday. We just got Doug talking. You just heard from John Keim, ESPN DC reporter, host of the John Keim podcast there. Uh, about the Washington football team and the fine and sanctions essentially levied against this team. Um, In the article, they talk about how the penalties are some of the harshest levied against an NFL team and conclude an investigation into allegations of sexual harassment and abuse by men in the team's front office dating all the way back to 2004. So 17 years of systemic sexual harassment and abuse by men in the team's front office. In particular, uh, Daniel Snyder, uh, in a couple of different instances, uh, 150 women interviewed by um, by Beth Wilkinson, a lawyer based in Washington who led the investigation. She shared her findings in an oral presentation that formed the basis of the league's decision to penalize the team. Um, I don't know if I'm... If I'm surprised in all of this, like I've, I've become rather numb to the fact that the NFL could care less about its players, about its employees. All they care about is making money. And I, I think at some point you have to have an understanding of that and just go, I mean, you can keep banging your head against the wall like many have, and I, I did for a long, long time. But they're in the business of making money off a of very, of very violent game in which they feel like they are untouchable. They have $32 billion owners, right? There's 32 different billionaires that own these teams. Roger Goodell, the league's commissioner, works for them. He just received in the contract extension a few years back, sort of somewhere in the realms of $45 million a year in a private jet for life, right? They, they are all in cahoots together, right? This is not something new. The league's commissioner concluded that for many years, this is his statement, this is a statement from the, the, the commissioner of the league, concluded that for many years, the workplace environment at the Washington football team, both generally and particularly for women, was highly unprofessional. The NFL said in the statement, Bullying and intimidation frequently took place, and many described the culture as one of fear, and numerous female employees reported having experienced sexual harassment and a general lack of respect in the workplace. No written synopsis or or anything here presented by Beth Wilkinson. Lisa Friel, the NFL special counsel who for investigations, who was really... Hired back when the Ray Rice incident happened to be more transparent, to be more out there, to be more public about these things that have gotten so many people infuriated, said that Wilkinson was not asked to verify the accuracy of any of these allegations or produce a written report of her findings to preserve the anonymity of the witnesses. This was their way around it. Out of the 150 women interviewed, some said they did not want their, they wanted their anonymity in this. But there was also so many who didn't, who wanted this as transparent as possible, wanted Daniel Snyder, who had been accused by these women, separate many episodes of harassment dating back to 2004, to be public. Now, the only thing that would have probably appeased these women and the victims in this instance were if it was a Donald Sterling type of thing out here in Los Angeles. If they were if Daniel Snyder was forced to sell the team, which is only the thing that matters to any of these owners. It's just a money printing machine, these teams with the with the TV rights, the merchandising, all of it, they're billion dollar industries, okay? That's all they care about. And the fact that they own, they're one of 32. They own an NFL franchise. The exclusivity of that is undeniable. So that's the only way you really can hurt them with any sort of sanctions. You remove them from the day-to-day, yeah, guys with egos, guys with uh, narcissistic personality disorders, like pretty much every owner in the NFL, they're not going to want to be not present. But you've seen winners, you've seen owners hold up the championship trophy around the Super Bowl who don't have a lot of day-to-day impact. And that's a big reason why the team is, you know, they're not an NFL owner because they were really good at football or that <laughs> they have a lot of insight to how to run a football team. In fact, those that try to put their stamp on it more or less struggle where you have owners that pretty much stay hands-off and hire guys that are, impre- are, are incredibly good at it usually are the ones that are holding trophies at the end of the season. That's, that's the difference in all of this. So the only thing that would really affect Daniel Snyder is if his, if his precious baby was taken away and he was forced to sell the team. No such luck for the victims, for the 150 women who came forward. Also, no such luck for them in terms of having a written report that could be written about uh, in stories for a long, long time that kept the story going. The ascension of Tanya Snyder, I assume every bit is warranted, a capable, uh, hardworking um, person. Uh, it is undeniable to say that a female put in this role uh, effect- effectively sitting right at the, the right hand of Daniel Snyder is not lost on somebody like me. Um, I'm outraged by, by this. I'm outraged by the, the, the small fine, even though it's the largest ever. It's a, Like I mentioned, it's, it's coins found in his private jet, $10 million is. And uh, what will come from this? I don't know, but it continues to show us that women stepping forward and, and trying to tell truth to power continues to be pushed down. This goes back as far as you can imagine. We watched it play out with the Portland Trailblazers just the other day and their lack of trans- transparency as well. It's hard to take, hard to take, but as I've said for many, many years now, the NFL does not care about anything other than counting their money. When we come back, Michael McCann from Sports Illustrated, their legal expert, is going to be here talking about exactly that, money at the collegiate level, what that would have looked like in my time and what it's like going to look like now. You're listening to The Rich Eisen Show.